And uh, it's great to be back, Crossroads. Thank you for your prayers during uh, my wife and I's time of sickness. Um, it's great to be back with you this morning. Um, we missed you all, so just uh, thanks for being faithful and look forward to time together this morning. We're going to continue in our One Another series. As you can tell, we've really anchored this in the book of Ephesians, even though we're referencing a number of other texts. And this morning, there's a, there's a verse in chapter 4 of Ephesians that's kind of one of those verses, you know, that's just, I don't know, it's just kind of dropped in there. You know, especially Paul's letters, he Sometimes his sentences are so long, he has this unique style of writing, and then other times there's just like this little blip, and this is kind of one of those little blips. Um, it's chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 28. I think we're going to have that on the screen, and uh, I'm not even going to look at the context, but it doesn't really fit contextually necessarily. And Paul just says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, okay, and he kind of says that to set up the next phrase, but that person must work, doing something useful with their own hands. Okay, we understand that. We ought to work. We ought to do something useful with our hands. But then Paul gives us a different purpose than we usually think about for work. Paul says we should do something useful with our hands. Why? That we may have something to share with those in need that we might have something to give. We should work to give. And I think typically our mindset of work is that we work to get. We work to get some money to provide for our families, to put bread on the table. We work um, for opportunities. We, uh, we just kind of have a different mindset than what Paul is saying here. He's saying we ought to work to have something to give. And so we live in a country that is really the land of greatest opportunity on the planet. And we're proud of that as Americans. We have this incredible opportunity to work, to start businesses, to prosper like really nowhere else on the planet. And we celebrate that, and we should. That's Praise God for that. We're, we're grateful for that. But so often the American dream is to, is to work in order to gain, to gain abundance, to flourish, to gain prosperity. These words speak a different purpose for us. Paul is saying work to get something so you can give it. Really, really a different idea. Jesus affirmed this. Jesus said the same thing and kind of gave us this higher purpose of, of giving um, Acts 20.35 is kind of another verse that's just stuck into the narrative a little bit. This um, is the word, the only, only one of two places that the words of Jesus are in the book of Acts. And Luke says, in everything I did, I, I showed you <clears throat> that uh, this kind of hard, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. So it's very consistent with what Paul says in Ephesians 4.28. And then he uses... Some words of Jesus that we don't see anywhere else in any of the Gospels to kind of make his point or to affirm the same point that Paul says to us. He says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so Luke makes the same point that Paul does in Ephesians 4, but then he gives this perspective of Jesus that is very compelling, is very motivational. He says, remember, guys, work to have something to give because 
it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's an amazing principle when we think about that. And the word blessed here, as you know, means happy. And so Paul is saying you really are, or Luke here is saying you really are going to be happier, more blessed by giving than receiving. And many of you at Crossroads have experienced this. This is a, you guys are a congregation that has a rich history of giving and generosity. We've been doing this harvest offering. I should have looked it up this week. If Decades. How, do anybody remember? I'm, I don't know how long the, the most veteran person is here. Many of our folks who've come for all their lives are, are not here during COVID. But as a child growing up here, I remember the Harvest Festival every year. And I guess I'm old enough now. That's at least 50 years ago, all right? We've been doing this harvest offering a long time. And praise God for that. And even this year, a year of COVID, we, we had the seed offering in the spring. So many of you contributed to that. And funds were able to go around the world to help people who were struggling through the pandemic lockdown in India, in Africa, in the Dominican Republic. And then we kind of sent a second wave of money to invest in some equipment in those places to continue to help to advance the church. And you've experienced this over the years as individuals and as the body of Christ at Crossroads. So when we think of work, entrepreneurship, American opportunity, we ought to think more than just our own flourishing, our own abundance we ought to realize the vision and the power and the opportunity of what Jesus says here. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, why is this? That was my first question as I pulled together some of these verses. I thought, why? Why is it more blessed to give than it is to receive? It, that doesn't kind of goes against the grain of what I would think naturally. And as I prayed about it and I didn't have energy to do a lot over the last three weeks, but I prayed a lot, you know, as I sat there doing absolutely nothing other than praying. And uh, the Lord just reminded me of probably one of the first verses any of us ever memorized, John 3, 16. For, and I'm probably going to say it in the King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, say the first two phrases with me. I know you got a mask on, but that's okay. And then I'm going to stop you in the middle. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave. Huh. God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is a primary expression of love. I don't know that we can love and not give. I don't know that we can say some, to someone, I love you, and not give to them. James affirms this in his letter. How can you say I love you and not help you? In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, make sure your love is not just words, but with actions and in truth. You can't love the way God loves and not give. I think it's probably possible to give and not love. Because we can give for selfish motives. We can give for probably wrong reasons. But we can't love out of our union in Jesus without giving, because giving and love go together from the first verse most of us ever memorized. Giving is an extension of the essential nature of God. God gives because he is love. That's the essence of the gospel. For God so loved the world, what did he do? 
He gave. He came in human flesh, and he came to us. We're going to celebrate that over the next month in the season of Advent. God so loved that he gave. What a powerful expression of the essential nature of God. And so when we give, and I want you to think of this message as more than just giving money, but the giving of time, talent, treasure is the way we typically talk about that here. Um, This is a primary function of our union with Christ. And really all of the one another's. If these one another's are an extension of the life of Christ in us, so much so this idea of giving. If Christ is going to be exalted through us, it will certainly include faithful, consistent giving of our time, talent, treasure. It has to. It's the nature of God. And if we are in union with Jesus and we love as he first loved us, A big part of that loving is going to be giving. And so that totally changes our motivation for work and for earning and for having and for pursuing abundance and flourishing. And so I want to do two simple things this morning. I want to talk to you about how we can change our mindset of work and abundance. And then secondly, just some more illustrations of your faithfulness in giving to Crossroads and how Crossroads is extending that giving in so many contexts. So you can take your bulletin notes if you like. I've got some things there for you to fill out. And our first primary statement is, how do I change my mindset? How do I change my mindset of work, of earning, of American opportunity, of money, to leverage that American opportunity, to leverage the incredible opportunity we have as people who live in this country, how can I change my mindset of doing all of that in order to give? How can I maximize the opportunity I have, you have, as an American, by far in the top percentage of the wealthiest people in the world? How can we use the opportunity we have here as Americans to give? I want to suggest... A few things here. I've already mentioned some of these verses. But I think the first thing is to embrace the truth of Acts 20.35 by faith. If Jesus said it, it really is true. Even though it seems, if we're honest with ourselves in our heart, it seems odd. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Um, You know, my parents used to tell me that on Christmas. And I'm like, y'all are nuts. Y'all are just plain crazy. It's way better to get a bicycle from y'all than for me to give my dad a tie or a sweater. Are you kidding me? It's not even close. It's not even close. What are you talking about? That's dumb. But you know, you all experienced, well, I don't know if you all did, but as a child you probably did, and now you know that the joy of giving to those grandkids on Christmas morning is way better. Don't need another tie. All right? Don't need another sweater. It's joy to give. And so we have to, we, we know this, we, or I, I guess I'd say we've experienced this, but we've got to embrace it as reality for the Christian life and existence. We have to understand and embrace what Jesus said to us. If we live in union with him, it really, really is better to give than it is to receive. And to remember that in those times when we feel scarcity, <clears throat> Or when we feel fear, 
the fear of, oh, am I going to run out of money? It's been quite a year to think that, hasn't it? A lot of business owners, a lot of people are struggling with that. So we, ha- this, we just need to embrace this by faith because I don't think it seems completely logical to us. But this is the spiritual reality that expresses the nature of God. And if you, if you get, one way to remember this is just for God so loved the world that He gave. It's more blessed. And so that's our best shot at holistic abundance, at real human flourishing, at real joy, is to learn to work for a different reason, to earn for a different reason, to leverage the opportunity we have as Americans for a different reason, for the reason of giving as an extension of our love. Second thing I think that can help us here is to really believe and trust in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. This is a text I've read to you often. I, I've shared before that it was really one of the first um, texts that God just um, enlightened my heart with after I first became a Christian. So let me just read it for you. And Je- This is the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And we'd all love to be, be able to live like that. Wouldn't it be wonderful to never worry? Okay, I just, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry about having enough food or clothing. I'm not going to worry about my body. That means my health. I'm not going to worry about what I wear. Wouldn't that be wonderful to just put on clothes and go? My wife will stand in front of her closet for a half hour some morning. I'm like, what are you doing? It's just too hard. I don't have anything to wear. You don't have anything to wear. There's all kinds of stuff here. So with these things, wouldn't it be wonderful to live that way? Well, Jesus goes on. And he says, guys, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus is saying, the birds are needy, but God covers them. And then he makes this obvious statement. Are you not much more valuable than these birds? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, for I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow sown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of low faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Let me stop there. Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father knows that you're needy. He created you that way. He designed you that way. You don't have to run after the stuff the pagans do, because your heavenly Father, God so loved the world that he gave, knows about your neediness. And He cares about you so much more than birds or grass. You can trust Him to deal with, to provide for your neediness. You can trust Him in that. And when we do, church, when we really get this, when the Spirit of God allows our hearts to apprehend and to be fully aware of our neediness, but the faithfulness of our God who loves us, only then can we do, verse 33, 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All this stuff will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. I want to suggest to you that we cannot live as kingdom first people. Giving, forgiving as we heard last week. Bearing with, loving all the things we've talked about in this series. We can't do that. Unless we understand that God takes care of our neediness. Because he loves us more than birds, more than flowers. He understands we're needy people. And he will take care of us. When we get that in the context of American abundance and flourishing, oh my word, the opportunities are staggering. Staggering for us to give. Because we have such abundance. We have such abundance. Jesus says, stop trying to get more. I'm, I'm going to care for your neediness. Just give out of the abundance you've been given. Remember Matthew 10, Jesus sent out 72 disciples. <clears throat> he gathered them, he gave them assignments, he said, now I want you to go, I want you to do what I've been doing. So it was kind of a training um, experience, a tour of duty of ministry, if you will, for a short term. Remember what Jesus said to him? What did he tell him to take along? Nothing! He specifically said, don't take a bag. Don't take money. Don't take anything. Just go. Why would he tell them that? He knows they're needy. He knows they've got to eat. He knows they've got to have clothes to wear. He knows they've got to have stuff. But he also knows he's able to provide for them. So he said, I'll, I'll provide for you. I don't want you to fret about that. I want you to go. I'll cover your neediness. And then I want you to give out of the fullness of what I've given you. And so we have the great verse, Matthew 10, 8, that says, freely you have received, now freely give. Give out of the abundance that I have given you. That's how this thing works. So when we come into union with Jesus, this is just an extension of that union. God takes care of our neediness by His grace, by His mercy, holistically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And then we're free. We're free to live His kingdom first. We're free to give. What an amazing thing Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. And if you struggle with this and if you're like, I just haven't experienced that it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive, then I would, just, I would drive you back to Matthew 6 and to Matthew 10 here. And just meditate on these truths, these words of Jesus. They'll change your heart. Another thing we need to know is God's purpose for abundance. It's not just to make us happier and for us to have more stuff. So this is point three. Know God's purpose for abundance. Know God's purpose for abundance. Whether that's an abundance of time or ability or money, whatever it is, we just need to know His purpose. If we, if we get the vision and embrace the real truth of what Jesus said in Acts 20.35, if we can actually not just understand Matthew 6 but trust in it, Trust God to take care of our neediness. And then if we know that he has purpose for abundance, we're just not lucky as Americans. It's not because we're that much smarter than the rest of the world. It's not because we have that much more initiative, all the things that we're prideful about as Americans. 
It's that God has blessed us with abundance. Why has he done that? That's why we need to know his purpose. And so I want to go to a couple texts rather quickly here. 2 Corinthians 9. We've used this before. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly. That's Jesus' Matthew 6 teaching. He'll take care of our neediness and more. He's not just going to do for us like he did the birds and the flowers, but he'll bless us abundantly. Why? Here's the purpose. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need and more, you can do what? Abound in every good work. You'll have so much you can give and not miss it. That's what he's saying. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Why? You'll be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's God's purpose for abundance. To so fill us, to so give to us that we can give away as an extension of his love and our union with Jesus. And when you throw other truths of scripture on this, it just, it's, it's so consistent. Deuteronomy 8, <clears throat> this is one of the verses, if you go through the crown class, you will memorize Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's not our American ingenuity. It's not called, ooh, we're, we're smart. We've done all this stuff. It's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. And here's the purpose. He confirms His covenant which you swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's an extension of God's covenant. He gives us the ability to produce wealth. Why from the New Testament? So we can give. God provides us with abundance so we can give for his glory. And so the quote we love from Randy Alcorn, we use this all the time. God blesses us not to increase our standard of living, but to increase our standard of giving. But we've got to trust that. We have to really embrace that, yeah, if Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, hmm, i got to move to that. I want to experience that. I want to experience the consistent blessedness of giving. And, and I need to understand that um, Jesus will provide for me to free me up to do that. So I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder, am I going to run out? Because Jesus knows my neediness, and he'll provide. He's promised that. And why would he do that? Among other reasons, so I can give from the fullness that he gives me. Just like God does. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he wants us to live that out because we are in union with him. Now I want to spend the rest of the time just giving some illustrations. Some personal ones the last few weeks. And just kind of praise God for Crossroads and uh, all of you. And, and one thing when we talk about giving, <clears throat> excuse me, when we give, we, we need to give open-handedly. Let me just help you understand that. Because we need to give to the Lord, and, and it's good for us to give to 
missions, to give Samaritan fund, to give to our neighbors, to give of our time, our talent, our treasure. But we don't always know what God's going to do with what we give. And so we have to, why are we talking about just <clears throat> open-handed giving? So it's fine to give with faith and expectation, but not with demand. You should give open-handedly. And we try to do that at Crossroads, and I, I need to tell you of another change this morning that some of you may have heard about, some of you may not have. We, you know that we've been doing this leadership development thing for the better part of eight to ten years now. And as such, we've had to hold with open hands some of our people here. And so it's been five, six years ago that Nate Hamblin said he was going to leave us to plant a church in Adrian, Michigan. And that was an open-handed moment, all right? <laughs> Nate was very important to a lot of us. And I'm like, what? You know, but he's too big to tackle and hold here, so we didn't have a lot of choice but the open-handed thing. And so I remember wrestling with that prayerfully. I remember it's like, God, is this real? What? Uh, uh. And Nate and I talked about this. So when we start something like a leadership development and we give and we invest in men and, and, and women leaders, we have to hold it loosely because God may call that person to leave us and go somewhere else. And that's what God has stirred in Nate and Amanda's heart here in recent weeks, months. And uh, they will be leaving Neighborhood Church in Adrian. Nate's actually going to take a position in our Fort Wayne office with FEC, more of an administrative position. And Nate's excited about this, believes it's, he's being faithful to the call of God, but there's also a real, he himself has to hold this open-handedly because he's gone and given six years of his life to the people in Adrian. He loves those people and they love him. And now it's a change point. And just so you know, a lot of those people are being encouraged to fold into kind of another partner congregation up there called One Mosaic, a godly pastor named Dan Christ. We kind of hope that someday they may come into FEC, so we think we'll maintain a lot of ministry there in Adrian. But we got to be open-handed about that kind of thing. We saw last week the video of Alex Reuter and the change down at Wave Community. These are open-handed things, and it applies just as well when we give to people individually. We may give to them for a specific need and find out they used it for something else. It's like, that, that shouldn't make us grouchy. We just give with open hand. We give out of, as an extension of our union with Jesus and we trust God to do His stuff in the first place. He gave us the ability to produce wealth. He gives us the abundance. When we give from His abundance and what we've received from Him, it's His business. How, what happens with it? <clears throat> I want to report a couple other things about Specifically, our leadership residency here, because such a large part of what we do in Crossroads does go to this. I want to just—we're hoping to bring on three residents at some point in the next year. Mark Clausing introduced you to one of those last week, Nashwan, who is an Iraqi Christian man in Toledo. An amazing story. You'll hear more of Nashwan's story as we go on. But Nashwan is currently leading, to our knowledge, the only Arabic-speaking Bible study in the city of Toledo. And we want to bring him on as a resident and resource him because we see already the start of a church plant there amongst Arabic peoples. And so it'll be months till we introduce you to Nashwan, but uh, we're so excited about that. We're also going to bring on a guy most likely named Tony Wynn. He's of Korean descent, and he's coming to us all the way from Southern California. <laughs> and who knew that our little residency here in um, Wasion, Ohio would be so attractive to a guy like this? He's 
come to know FEC through Tom Bernardo, one of our FEC men in Southern California. And Tony longs to be a part of this residency. It'll probably be a, a briefer time here, but uh, both of these men we see as incredible opportunity to plant churches. And uh, both of them are just a little unique from past residents, which has caused um, our residency to change a little bit. We're actually going to expand, and I'm running out of time, so I've got to pick this pace up here a little bit. Um, we now call it, we used to call it the Tri-State Co-op. Now it's called Synergy Ohio. It's a little network of about 10, 11 FEC churches in our area here that are all committed to planting churches together. And Synergy has asked me in this last year if I would consider giving more of my time to Synergy, um, a bigger percentage of my time, because a lot of those pastors now in Synergy want to bring residents on like we have here at Crossroads, and they need to be trained how to do it. and just how to. So to make it short, um, we've agreed here at Crossroads with our leadership team and Synergy that I'm going to reallocate about 25% of my time starting in January to extend really our residency from a local residency alone to more of a regional residency working with the Synergy churches. Um, that's going to mean, of course, I have to give some things up. Some of that will be some reallocation of discipleship time from people here to more of those Synergy residents or the other pastors of Synergy as we try to train them. So we want you to know that's coming down the road. Uh, another change that, honestly, you're not going to notice in the day in and day out at all. Um, I work about a 50-hour week, and so 40 hours of that is still going to happen here at Crossroads. Um, just going to reallocate another uh, 25%, 12 hours a week or so to Synergy. And then Synergy has agreed to compensate Crossroads for that portion of my monthly compensation. So it really is a win-win for Synergy, for Crossroads, for everybody all around. Um, but I don't want you to think, again, that, that this giving thing is just about giving to a church for leadership development or programming. It's just giving. And you'll hear some more stories of our COVID journey as we go along, but I just want to wrap up with a, a really cool thing that Kelly McDermott did for us about 10 days ago. Um, and Jarrett and Kelly have been people who have given. They were a part of the King's Cross launch team in Defiance. They took a year out of here to go there to help plant that church. And uh, Kelly called and said, I know you guys' yard, you have a million leaves, and I know you're sick and you can't do Can I bring a group of people and we'll just deal with your leaves? And we were like, yes, that would be wonderful. It's amazing how overwhelming a pile of leaves in your yard can feel when you're sick. It's kind of ridiculous. But So Kelly comes early last Saturday morning, about a half hour later, about 10 people show up. We had like six, seven leaf blowers and all this stuff. And in two hours, all the leaves were, were dealt with in, uh, in our yard. And I know Kelly had the same work she had to do at home. And everybody else left. And she was still there cutting flowers back, cutting plants back in our flower beds. And I knew she had the same work she had to do at home. And I'm just so thankful for her. And thankful for all of you and just the prayers you gave and... Um, the food, you just so provided for us. Our family kept calling and saying, do we need any, you guys need anything? Can we help you? And we're like, nope, Crossroads has us so cared for. We're good. So thank you for your giving. And just remember that our giving is an extension of God's love for us. Um, I just thank you, church, and uh, thank God for the opportunity to give. And so meditate on these truths we've talked about 
And uh, let me just close this in prayer this morning. Father, thank you that, God, you so loved the world. You so loved your creation. You so loved us that, uh, Lord, you gave. You gave in a way nobody had ever given before. You gave in a way that was shocking. And now when you have brought us into union with Christ by grace and through our faith, you give us the opportunity to give as you've given to us. So Holy Spirit, would you instruct our hearts on that so we would really understand that, embrace it by faith, and embrace the opportunity of extending the abundance you've given to us to give to other people. And may that be for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.